your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to a Wednesday episode of Locked On Texans, your daily Texans talk and news update where you can find this show on all of the major podcasting platforms Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. I'm John, some sports guy Hickman, and of course, happy to be back, but I cannot do this show without my boy, my partner in crime. Cody Davis, and today's episode is sponsored by Bill Bar. Go to BillBar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your first order. John, welcome back, my guy. We missed you yesterday. Is everything okay you with guys, you? man. Yeah, I miss you guys, too. Uh, got an urgent call from my apartment complex that my apartment had flooded and I needed to get home ASAP. Basically, I need to drop everything. Craig was in trouble and I needed to come quick. I uh, got home. It was water everywhere. Some things that I had just purchased was ruined, but ultimately a lot of the major things were kept intact. I'm still actually waiting for, um, Still actually waiting for everything to kind of finish out. It's been a day and a half, two-day process. But nonetheless, the process of Houston and coming to a terms or even just getting a practice set up with Earl Thomas just fell completely through. I don't want to talk about myself. I want to talk about this team. That's why they're here, Cody. So, you know, we're going to talk about Earl Thomas, the possibility or lack thereof of Earl Thomas joining this desperate, desperate defensive secondary who has yet to cause a turnover and really it, it hadn't even looked like a turnover is going to fall until their laps that's how bad it's been uh the lack of talent at that safety position they're trying to do a lot of things and it seemed like earl thomas uh, who's out there right now along with haha clinton Dix, there are players that are out there as free agents that can really uh, affect this team in a, in a positive way but you know the other day i didn't mention how I believe Bill O'Brien has troubled egos in that whenever you have an ego that could somewhat jeopardize his, then you're not going to be a fit for this team, no matter how talented you are. We've seen it. And that's why mainly the Houston Texans are struggling. By the way, before we talk about Earl Thomas, am I the only one who would have just signed DJ Reader over Whitney Merciless? Stick a pin in that. We'll come back to that a little bit later. But, Cody, what else is up uh, for the Houston Texans, at least for Locked On Texans, that we want to discuss for today. Well, today we will be welcoming back Brandon Scott of Sports Radio 16. He will be stopping by, sharing his thoughts on the Houston Texans as they head to week four. As they head into their week four matchup against the Minnesota Vikings, a contest in which we hope still take place. And as of right now, things are looking like we are on that track. I'm pretty sure you guys know by now that that the team that the Vikings played against on Sunday, the Tennessee Titans, had a few players along with team personnel who had tested positive for the coronavirus. I believe it was a total of eight. Both teams have shut down their practice facility and they will not be allowed back in up until Saturday. That is something we're going to make sure we keep our eyes on. Uh, we're going to have more information for you guys with that on tomorrow during our Locked Over crossover show with Locked On Vikings. And... I'm pretty sure the game is still going to go on, but as of right now, you know, it's just a crazy story, but it's not crazy as what took place with the Houston Texans and this Earl Thomas situation. And John, let me just say, I kind of feel like somebody's lying. I don't know if it's the Texans camp or I don't know if it's Earl Thomas's camp. I mean, at the end of the day, you're talking about both incompetent 
parties you are trying to link together and something should have told everyone including myself who i must say i went on air on monday and talked about the 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 possibility of signing earl thomas was so high which it was monday afternoon all signs pointed to the houston texans signing earl thomas all he had to do was work out pass his physical pass the coronavirus test and there was reports there was there was facts there was evidence that the houston texans were going to sign earl thomas at some point this week and everything was good up until yesterday afternoon where the reports came out that the texans would not be signing earl thomas after they canceled his workout that was scheduled on yesterday morning and this is where the story gets weird because the nfl was in a position you have a team, the very first time you had a team who has players and team personnel who have tested positive for the coronavirus. So the Texans were not the only team who canceled the workout. But here's where the story get crazy between the Texans and Earl Thomas's camp. On one hand, you had people saying that the cancellation had nothing to do with the positive COVID-19 testing, while Adam Scheffner, ESPN, reported that the cancellation of Thomas's workout was in fact called off due to COVID-19 concern, a statement that came from his agent. Once again, here's my biggest concern about this. When you're talking about the Houston Texans and this Earl Thomas situation, where this team in that camp was on Monday versus where they ended up being less than 24 hours later, my biggest issue is if COVID-19 was the main reason why you had to cancel the practice why didn't you just reschedule it that's the biggest problem i have and it makes me wonder somebody is lying from one of these camps and we just don't know who it, it just doesn't make sense and not only that when you talk about the houston texans i'm starting to wonder did the texans actually have a real interest in signing thomas because john you mentioned it if a player is known to have an ego, if a player is known to have some type of history as a quote-unquote bad teammate or whatever the case might be, nine times out of ten, the Houston Texans do, do not look in that player direction. And it has me wondering, does, did, did the Texans really, were they really okay with signing Earl Thomas? And if this was a stage production or whatever the case might be, I will be so disappointed from this franchise because you have a quarterback, a franchise quarterback who has, who, who have been pushing for you to sign Earl Thomas ever since he was released from Baltimore, which brings up another a problem that I'm, that I might start to have with this team. And John, you wanted to talk about this as well. Do the Texans, do you believe the Texans and Bill O'Brien would give Deshaun Watson an opportunity to vocalize who he would like on this team and who he would not like on this team? Well, you know, we mentioned in the, you know, pre-discussion, uh, just going back and forth to figure out what we wanted to discuss today. Of course, we were going to talk about Earl Thomas. Big news for Houston, right? Get it, got it, understand. Uh, but, you know, yesterday, I'm sorry, Monday, during the Monday night football game. In the, in the, in the pregame, 
you know, they were interviewing the, uh, not Deshaun, I'm sorry, but Patrick Mahomes, uh, who his mom wants everybody to call him Patrick and not Pat, but nonetheless, they were interviewing him, right? And the discussion of Clyde Edwards Elaire came up. And you know what Patrick Mahomes said? The GM texted him and asked him, what move should we make? To stay in Houston, we got to look at what James Harden has been able to do. It hasn't really necessarily worked out almost where you want it to be, but he was the one that was advocating for Chris Paul. He also advocated to let's look at bringing in Russell Westbrook. Here in Houston, with these Texans, you have this quarterback that you just gave a boatload of money to, right? You mentioned how you want to make sure he's here for the next some odd years. And it just seems like you're working against keeping him here. Right. And I found it so amazing that on air, without having a problem with saying that, the GM texted me to let me to see what I wanted to do with this team. And they went out and got it, Clyde's it was a layer. The the issue that I have or what I'm seeing is what I've been mentioning for a very long time, even when I gave Bill O'Brien the benefit of the doubt, it's either his way or no way. And I've never seen anybody win like that. But to go back to Earl Thomas, let me tell you something about Houston. Only one defense in the NFL has yet to record a single takeaway, whether that's fumble recovery, uh, you know, interception. Only one team. That's your Houston Texans. And the depth chart, Houston Texans, I'm sorry, and the depth chart for Houston at safety is Eric Murray, A.J. Moore Jr., who's now on IR, Lonnie Johnson Jr. has been getting some uh, some playing time at safety, and Justin Reed and Michael Thomas. Outside of Justin Reed, none of these guys are cutting it. None of these guys are cutting it. And so you need to bring in some talent. You need to bring in somebody who has been, A, playing that position long enough to know how to play it, B, that's talented. So we got to look out there. Who's available? Oh, let's let's call in the Texas kid. Let's call up Earl Thomas. Let's let's schedule a, a visit. One side says it was canceled the COVID protocol. The other side said it was just canceled and it will not be rescheduled. The problem I'm having is, at what point do we look at the real villain of this movie? Now, whether or not. It, it was uh, like you wanted to speculate whether or not this was done as just a show, whether or not um, it, it was done just to say, hey, we were trying. The What I heard out of all of this was there is no immediate plans to reschedule. And Bill O'Brien said, we're going to evaluate the talent we have on our roster. Cody, it has been three games with no takeaways. There's been missed tackles. There has been not following your assignments that has led to a touchdown that could have prevented the Steelers winning the game, right? There has been just overall bad play at that position. And so why not bring him in? Why not actually, okay, if it doesn't work out this week, we know you got to play the Vikings who just played the Tennessee Titans. I get that. I understand. But with all of the speculation going around, it was due to COVID. It wasn't due to COVID. Uh, we're going to reschedule. We're not going to reschedule. I want this team to get out finally in front of something and say, hey, no, we're going to do something that makes logical sense. And you know why I believe it's kind of BS? If that was the case, you would have done that. You would have done that. You would have 
came out and said, hey, we are experiencing COVID-19 issues, but what we will do is bring him in at the best immediate time in the future, right? But to come out and say, we're going to evaluate what we have, what, ha what else do you need to evaluate? That's my issue. That's my issue. And you're putting, you, you are putting this team so far behind, so far behind that it's, it's more than a head scratcher. It's becoming an ass scratcher. My ass is scratching, itching, because I need to scratch it because you just, you, that's what you're doing. You're making, my, you're making my butt itch, plain and simple. They need to go out there and get talent. Now, whether it's Earl Thomas, whether it's Ha Ha Clinton Dix, whether you want to look at talent at the cornerback position, Gary Young Conley should be returning back to this team very soon. Uh, whether you want to get some more outside linebackers who can make some plays, because like I said earlier, if somebody, you remember that song, somebody tell Kevin Cato, we want our money back. Somebody tell Whitney <laughs> yeah. Merciless, we need our money back. There's so many different areas of this team defensively that needs improvement. And it just seems like it's not a sense of urgency on the behalf of the guy that is supposed to be not only calling plays as a head coach, but this is also your position that you want it. I don't understand it. I won't understand it. We'll continue to eye this situation, whether or not Houston will bring in Earl Thomas, whether or not they'll bring in other players to uh, compete here in Houston. But like we mentioned, it was reported on Monday that the Texans were planning to bring him in for a workout. Earl Thomas, I'm speaking of. Those three Tennessee Titans players and five Titans staffers who tested positive for COVID, who just played the Vikings in week three, we understand that they're going to do uh, what makes sense. Postpone it. I get it. But get out in front of it and say, we're going to do something to better our team because we need to at a different uh, later date and time immediately, ASAP, as soon as possible. Help support your local businesses, whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops. Local businesses have always been on your team, supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at a local business and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with your contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want it to be official partner of the NFL. Welcome back, listeners. As we mentioned earlier, we did have a guest on for today. We had him on last week. Cannot wait to bring him in. We're just going to go ahead and do a 16 zone. Well, he's on his own man, of course. He's his own man. But Brandon Scott of 16, welcome back to the show, my brother. Hey, man, John, I appreciate y'all for having me, man. It's always fun to do it. It's super fun to have you on. And, you know, last week we discussed the Houston Texans after they took on the Baltimore Ravens, which was a deflating game. Uh, but after the Steelers game, when we saw how much good this team, you know, was better prepared this this uh, this this week for the Steelers on offense in that first half, very good. Uh, made some adjustments from the first game to second game to the third game. Going into that second half, it was just abysmal. Maybe the most deflating game because you saw the light and the light just went away. What takeaways did you have from Sunday's matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers? The obvious one, of course, is just the tale of two halves, how they looked so competent at once and then looked so incompetent in the end. 
which I, I really did not understand. I'm still trying to get a good grasp for how you can come out and be so crisp, be so good in the first half, and be so underwhelming in the second. So much to the point to where you don't even score a single point. Um, and, so, and so my takeaway from all of that was how the defense, who I, I thought the defense in some cases, especially at my station, I felt like the defense in some cases has been getting a pass because the offense has been that bad. I felt like the inadequacies on the offense made us look at the inadequacies on the defense and think, oh, well, they're pretty good. And, and I just wasn't, I wasn't really with that in the first two games. But this game, I thought the defense played really well, to be honest with you. I thought that they played pretty well and they gave the Texans a chance to win. And all I could think about after it was over was how they wasted a really solid performance from a defense that I'm still not sure is very good. So, so that, that was the most discouraging part about it was that you had a defense that went in there in the second half and they only gave up one touchdown drive in the second half. And that was toward the end. You know, they go in there, there's that long drive to start the third quarter and they hold them to a field goal. Um, I, you know, I just thought the defense gave you about as much as they could, all things considered, when you think about the personnel. And it's just really a shame that the offense couldn't hold up very end of the deal. Brandon, how frustrating is it to watch this offense? Because you said everything that I said on our recap show on Sunday. It just seems like the Texans' defense, I think they are a little bit better than what they were last year. But it seems like the reason why we keep seeing these collapses in the fourth quarter is because they are out there constantly because you have an offense who keep going three and out, three and out, three and out. How frustrating through these first three weeks of the season is it to watch this offense? Yes, we know we lost, but this offense still has some talent. What is it? Is it play calling? Is it, the honestly, the lack of talent that they might have on offense? In your eyes, what do you think it is? I think it's a combination of factors, Cody, all of which you just mentioned. But back to your point about the frustration, never mind my frustration, Go to J.J. Watt after the game. And you remember this, Cody. When they ask him, this is after they've already, we've already talked to Bill O'Brien at this point, and he, you know, rightfully mentions how much the defense was on the field. You know, he got a question about the run defense and basically something about the defensive performance. And he mentions rightfully that they were just on the field a lot, too much even. And when we talked to J.J. Watt and he was asked, do you think that part of your issues in the second half were that you were on the field too long? You know, the political correct answer, the politically correct answer would have been like no or something. Because that, that's an indictment on your offense. If your defense is on the field for too long, it is in some form or fashion an indictment on your offense, right? Mm -hmm. And J.J. just said, I don't know, you know, and, and, and said we got to figure it out quickly. He knows. We all know because we, we've got eyes and we can see that, the issue here is the offense, it's the inconsistency, it's the play calling, and it's the offensive line, and, and, and the entire offense as a whole in the most inopportune times, making mistakes, uh, giving up a sack, getting a penalty, 
Um, I think everyone could share the blame here. The only one who I really thought played well, who was somewhat blameless, and I know he had an interception, and he had some moments that weren't great, Deshaun Watson, I thought had a really, really good game, especially, obviously, in the first half. But I thought he gave you about as much as you can expect if you consider what he had going on around him from a teammate perspective and from a play-calling and coaching perspective. Um, I don't know what more you could have expected out of him. So that's the part that's really frustrating is that the play calling is lackluster. Like we've all talked about this on social media. Why are you running it on first and second down, especially when the run on first down was so unsuccessful? Like you can run it on first and on, you can run it on second down after running it on first down if you had a successful run on first down. But if your run on first down went for one yard, two yards, no yards, or whatever it is, I, I, I just don't get it. And then going with the same style, same scheme, or, or the same formation, I should say, of a run, it, it, it makes no sense to me. So I think that was the most frustrating part. Yeah, the running scheme as a whole was just very disgusting to watch. I mean, David Johnson ran for 10 yards on eight first down carries finish the game with average of 1.8 yards per carry. It was just nasty to see them continuously call, especially in the second half, running up the inside gaps. Um, and Deshaun Watson only threw for nine attempts in that second half. And I think overall, what I'm seeing is they are trying to win games by settling. And I hate that. I really do. I think that's the worst way you can coach in this league. If you're already up, don't just try to not lose the game. Go out there and win the game. That's a problem I have with Houston. But ultimately, let's take a look at this. We saw how amazing of a job Eric Benjamin did Monday night with Patrick Mahomes, right? I've seen two of maybe the most beautiful plays, design plays I've ever seen. The tight end screen and the shovel pass to the fullback. And what it does for Patrick Mahomes, Brandon, what I saw was it just makes his life a whole lot easier. You know, your offensive line doesn't have to go out there and block too much. They just got to put their bodies in front of people. Uh, the play scheming is what I believe is truly has held Deshaun Watson back ever since his first year. His first year, he just went out there and played some ball. But I think he has tried to buy into this organization, and it's been kind of holding him back. How long until Cal McNair – if, if it happens, comes down and say, hey, we are completely making a change. We have to go get somebody because it's just not working. Look, it's not just that they're losing. It's how they're losing. And so it has to be this year that you look at it and say, well, where are the excuses? Because this is a Bill O'Brien, Jack Easterby put together roster. Like they can't blame. It's hard for them to blame the players and the personnel when they're the ones who are responsible for the players and personnel and the scheme. And so I mentioned this before, it's not just that they're losing, it's how they're losing. It's how they look. It's, it's how remedial at times the offense looks or how counterintuitive it looks with Deshaun Watson. You know, you talk about a guy who keeps getting hit, they have trouble in pass protection whether it's Deshaun holding on to the ball, whether it's the tight, the position play, the skill position players, or the offensive line not blocking properly. Well, why don't you create some of these? Why don't you scheme up some of these plays like what you were talking about with, with Eric the enemy 
And with what the Chiefs are doing, where you're not putting as much pressure on your line and on your skill players who clearly struggle in this area of pass protection, why are you asking them to do so much? Why don't you make it easier? That's the, I think that's the part that Cal McNair has to reckon with. We've got these players, good or bad or indifferent, however you feel about the players. But what are the coaches doing to make the players better? You can see it. You can see what Greg Roman does to make Lamar Jackson better with the Ravens. You see what Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid are doing to make Patrick Mahomes better. But what is the coaching staff here? What is Bill O'Brien doing to enhance Deshaun? Like, it's not – Deshaun's not a project anymore. He's not. He's not doing honey. anything. He's not doing anything. And it, it, goodness gracious, it's just it, – it, 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 it seems like very much like a waste, especially a guy like Deshaun who takes a little bit of a beating. And this is something that could shorten his career. I'm talking about like if you can't if you can't block for him, if you can't uh, scheme up situations for him to get rid of the ball quickly, if he doesn't have any safety valves, and that's what I thought the the whole Randall Cobb thing was supposed to be about, or at least that's what I was sold that Randall Cobb would be somewhat of his safety valve, but we're not really seeing any of that. We, we're not seeing any of the things that we saw from the Chiefs in on Monday Night Football. It, it, we don't we don't see any of it. And as great as Patrick Mahomes is, it's the coaching and the scheme that makes life so much easier on him. That's why it looks so smooth. That's why Patrick Mahomes looks so smooth and effortless when he's doing what he's doing, because the scheme matches the play. The coaching matches the play. And we still don't have that here. We don't have it. And it's so frustrating to watch because, you know, the, the issue that I have, Brandon, I mean, if, if, if you go out there and you do something for an entire half that is clearly working, why in the hell would you change it when you're desperate fighting for a win? You're the only team in your division that does not have a win. And, and mind you, this division includes a 37-year-old Phillip Rivers and a, a second-year quarterback who, you know, in Jacksonville, a Gardner Michigan. That is what this division includes. And you still don't have a win. And in the first half, the connection between Randall Cobb was there, right? Yeah. Looked very good. In the first half, the connection with Brandon Cooks was there. In the first half, Deshaun Watson was going through his reads and making the right throws, stepping up, and he had some time. By the way, Titus Howard had a very good day Sunday. Had a very good day Sunday. Cleaned up some of his mechanics, his drop step, his quick step. Uh, pass blocking was so much better. He's already a really good runner. Uh, the issue that I saw from Sunday was just the fact they could not do anything in the interior line. But uh, on the outside, those two tackles was having a very good day. Did as much as they could to limit the, the Bud Dupree, T.J. Watt effect. But you had all of these things working for you. And earlier in the show, before you came on, I mentioned that Bill O'Brien and the Houston Texans are doing a very good job with wasting their future. They just signed Zach Cunningham. They just signed Larry Tunsil. They just signed Deshaun Watson. All of these guys were the guys that you mentioned you wanted to keep around for the next summer of years. And you're basically giving them a red shirt here after you just gave all of this money away. Because yeah. you like you want to do it your way. I, I look at what Pete Carroll has done with Russell Wilson and allow Russ to be Russ. We've seen what 
Andy Reid has done with Patrick Mahomes and vice versa since he's came into the league. So much so, we had an all-pro quarterback at Alex Smith, and he had to go. I'm seeing yeah. what they're doing in Baltimore, and I'm even seeing what Dak Prescott has been able to do. But to his own merit, he's been getting better and better. But I'm seeing an offense just catered around Ezekiel uh, Elliott and Dak Prescott. And when I come here to Houston, all of and not, not to mention Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona with Kyler Murray, what they're doing offensively is it's amazing. I come here to Houston, you have this super talented quarterback, won the national championship, played in, in, in national championships two years in a row, and you cannot get it right. Take a step out of your own self and your own way and allow him to be himself. I think it's just it's frustrating. It's really frustrating because I'm gonna let you take it. I'm sorry. Well, you know what's interesting about the point that you bring up is, or what I thought of when you brought this point up, I thought about when Deshaun got that deal and how we, we, we hop on the Zoom press conference to talk to Deshaun. And to my surprise, who's, what's the first face that I saw? Dabo Swinney. Dabo Swinney was the first face that I saw because they had set it up for Deshaun to talk to a lot of the people that helped get him here, the people he loves and cares about, Dabo being one of them, obviously. And I couldn't help but think, man, if they can get Dabo on for this Zoom conference, I wonder if Bill ever talks to Dabo or ever picks the brain of the Clemson staff, the folks that have worked with Deshaun. And if he ever tries to ingrain that or ingratiate that into what he's doing, you know, like, it, it, it was such an odd time for me because I thought, man, that's the guy who Deshaun Watson really thrived under. That's the guy who Deshaun Watson became a star under. Why aren't they doing more of the things that that guy was doing? And, and so – Bill O'Brien isn't reaching out to him. He's going to feel yeah. like his spot is going to get taken. Of course he's not. Yeah, but you know what? But in private, man, in private, I feel like that's something that you can do. Like you can pick, you can pick another coach's brain, you know. Like and, and Dabo, Dabo's a guy who I don't see leaving the college game because of how he's wired. Like the Texans aren't hiring Dabo Sweeney, I can tell you that. And so, you know, I I, I don't I feel like Dabo like he's not Lincoln Riley, right? Or or like how Cliff Kingsbury would have been. These are guys who probably have NFL aspirations and are, and are going to have NFL futures. I don't feel like Dabo is that. So it was curious to me, like, why don't you talk to this guy and try to get some of some of what made Deshaun Watson a household name to begin with and incorporate that into what you're doing? It makes no sense. It makes it makes zero sense to me, John. Another thing that doesn't make sense is this weird story that happened between the Texans and Earl Thomas. And Brandon, I just want to get your take on it really quick, because it seemed like in a 24-hour span, we went from, oh, my God, the Texans had the, have the opportunity to sign one of the best DBs over the past decade to all of a sudden you have one party saying that the workout was canceled due to COVID. Another party saying that the workout wasn't canceled due to COVID. It's just canceled altogether. What's your take on this whole weird Earl Thomas situation? It is definitely weird. It, do, it does not make sense, the contradictory reports. I will say that. I'll also say that it's possible that people have different perspectives on how this went down. And so, and it could have been communicated differently. Like it's possible that 
the COVID thing was used as a cop-out, as a reason for why they reneged on this. But I'm just going to tell you right now, man, I think Earl Thomas could have helped this team. When you look at the safeties that they have, um, it, it is still curious to me that Tayshawn Gibson didn't survive past one year on this team and that the Chicago Bears, he was out of a job for, for like literally five minutes. The Chicago Bears picked him up immediately, and he plays for them, you know. And, and, and so and they don't have anybody outside of Justin Reed. They don't have a player who's like that, and certainly not one who's as good as Earl Thomas. And so he would have immediately been, outside of J.J. Watt, he would have immediately, immediately to me, been a top two player on your defense. Like it would have been J.J. Watt, Zach Cunningham, and, and Earl Thomas, you know, now like, I don't know what exactly went down with these discussions, but I do know that this is the most publicized workout or potential workout that I can remember since Colin Kaepernick several months ago and that whole thing that happened, you know, and then for it to not even happen, it's just so odd to me. Um, especially since he was already in Houston. They already had him set up to get the, his physical at a local hospital. I'm not sure what COVID protocols would have been in jeopardy to bring him in. You know, like, I, I, don't, I don't buy the COVID thing. There clearly was some type of internal discussion about whether this is a contradiction of all of the culture narrative that we're fed about smart, tough, and, de and dependable guys. And certainly if you look over the past year and maybe even the past couple of years at, at, uh, at Earl Thomas's um, resume, not, not his football resume, certainly, but the things that have gone off the field and, and sort of right outside the lines, you, you, it is fair to wonder what exactly is the deal with this guy. But he, he costs you nothing. Like he he would cost you little little next to nothing. It would be, uh, it would be low risk, high reward. You could cut bait with him if there was an issue, or if there was something that rubbed you the wrong way. And in the meantime, Earl Thomas would address the issue that the Texans have of not being able to force any turnovers. <laughs> like this is a guy who can go get the football. You know, they talked about hey, we need to go get the ball. Well, there's a guy who can go get the ball. And it, it seems like they were willing to kick the tires on it at some point. And then someone stepped in and said no. Um, I think it's some insight into the power dynamic and the power structure that, you know, that at first they might find it fine for them to go and work out a guy who's got a sketchy background or past or, or character situation. Um, but then the owner does step up. So it's like everybody's wondering, what's going on with Cal McNair? When's Cal McNair going to speak up? When can, when's Cal McNair going to intervene with what's going on with this football team? And this is what it took. You know, the possibility of making your team better, bringing in a likely Hall of Famer. Uh, th th this is what it took for him to intervene. You, you know, the, I think that part should be frustrating to the fans that Cal McNair – or, or let's not say, Cap, that the McNair, any of the McNairs or anyone within the front office or within the Texans brass would intervene in this way but would allow what's happening elsewhere with the, with the play on the field to continue the way it has. You know, like you would think, okay, well, if you're accountable on this, where, 
where are you at on the team overall? And that's what, that's what gets me about the whole thing. The free agents that are available right now, before we get out of here, Earl Thomas, Ha Ha Clinton Dix, Demarius Randall, Eric Reed, Rashad Jones. These are all the safeties that are available. I can also go to Tony Jefferson, Clayton Gathers, along with Morgan Barnett. Uh, there are players, Antoine Bethea, who I also think he's just a little bit too old, but there are players out there that can come in right now and affect this team in a positive way defensively. Marcel Darius and Jabal Shear are also still out there and can be picked up. So Houston has a whole pool of talented players they can choose from. The issue is, Hmm. Do I really want to? That's what they're thinking. Are like, do I really, do I really want to do that, or do I want to continue to play with the guys that I brought in to try to make people believe that I can do wonders? Well, Brandon, you frustrated. We frustrated. Fan base frustrated. Just, it's just a frustrating time just to be talking about rooting for covering watching the Houston Texans but with everything that's being said thank you so much for coming in on another episode of Locked On Texans really quick where can the listeners follow you at on Twitter at Brandon K Scott on Twitter man I'm always there uh with some kind of Houston sports whether it's Texans I do Astros I was on Rockets so anything that is Houston sports related at Brandon K Scott man y'all hit me up really quick speaking of the Rockets yeah. It's just frustrating just being in Houston, period. <laughs> yo, yo, yo. So real quick on that. I made the point. I'm trying to think, what was it that happened? Something happened, and I had this realization about maybe three weeks ago that the future of all three Houston sports is, is in question right now. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, there's, there was no telling on the window for the Astros because it's, I mean, this might have been it. The Justin Verlander news mm-hmm. that he wasn't coming back and the next season, his last year under contract, he's not going to be able to pitch for the team. And then with the, with the Rockets, they have no future to speak of. They really like they, they, they have to run this thing back with James Harden and Russell Westbrook and Eric Gordon and the cast of characters that you saw with not a lot of potential for variance here, not a lot of potential to change things up. The only thing that they're going to be able to change, obviously, is the coach. So we'll see what kind of impact that that has on the team. But they trade away, traded away all of those first-round picks, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, and, and have refused to spend enough money uh, that would put them in the, in the luxury tax. And, and I think that that is hurting them. Like, like they – they're going to have to put their money where their mouths are at some point, you know, and Tillman Fertitta being a money guy and being a loud mouth, it is, it is somewhat surprising <laughs> that he wouldn't be more willing to spend his money. Uh, now I know that I'm talking really more uh, pre COVID because mm-hmm. post COVID he's had a, he's had a really rough go of it. And I understand owning restaurants and hotels and casinos and whatnot, but even before the pandemic, even before we were in a crisis, he still did not seem interested in putting his money where his mouth is. And so that is concerning to me, the leadership under Tillman Fertitta. Like the issue with the Texans is I don't feel like I know enough about Cal McNair. Like Cal McNair is just way too quiet for my taste. And then Tillman is just way too loud and, and, and with, with little substance for my taste. And so they're on opposite ends of the spectrum for me, but equally frustrating at this point. 
you know, right before Brandon left, we talked about the future of Houston sports in general. When you take a look at the Astros, the Rockets, and I advise you guys, please, to go check out Locked On Astros and Locked On Rockets. Those guys do a really good job as well. But, you know, John, we were sitting there talking. As bad as things look for the Houston Texans right now, when you compare them to the Rockets and Astros situation, only because we have Deshaun Watson, I kind of feel like the Texans are in the best situation because all you have to do is remove one problem and this team could be a hell of a lot better. Listen, coaching has a huge part, huge part of success. If you have a good coach, then your team can be very successful, right? Let's take a look at this. Since Adam Gates has taken over the New York Jets, how bad has Sam Darnold looked? Now, Sam Darnold has never been a type to really just convince me he is the one. But since Adam Gates, this – and here's the problem I have. Both both Adam Gates and Bill O'Brien are supposed to be these offensive QB whisperer gurus. Both of their teams look bad, right? But if we want to look at the all-time great, Bill Belichick, how many times have we seen Bill Belichick put defensive players in positions to be dominant and they go elsewhere and you're like, I forgot this man was on this team. Jamie Collins is one of them. Uh, Trey Flowers, one of them. Uh, there are guys that, you know, it comes through this system. Malcolm Brown, another one. They go play for the New England Patriots. They have a very great career with the New England Patriots, and then other teams want to come in, swoop them, and you're like, man, I forgot he was even here. Bill Belichick is coaching so good that he played to the strengths of Tom Brady early on. So by the time Thomas Brady became Tom Brady, he was able to develop into that, and Bill was able to go ahead and open up more to allow him to use his strength and his knowledge, basically what's what Tom and I call it muscle memory. But he plays to the strength of his players. Bill O'Brien plays to the strength of him. And he is only good. His, his strength is not losing games. And it isn't not winning games. His strength is making the best out of nothing. And it's not making more with the best. And, and that's the issue. Plain and simple. We don't know about Cal and what he is, is what he's thinking, what he's doing. It's, he's going to be vocal. But I tell you what, there's no way anybody in this league that does not have an established coach watches Eric Benamy, Patrick Mahomes, that connection that they have after you screwed up and didn't go get him this past offseason. I don't see him not being the head coach next year. And quite frankly, if I'm Cal, I make the call as soon as I can to bring him in here to Houston and remove Bill O'Brien. As simple as that. You want to really make sure your star quarterbacks can play in a system for a very long time. That's why Tom Brady was able to play in this league for 20 years because they were able to make his job so much easier, right? And that's just what it is. And we don't have that here in Houston. We don't. We, we, we haven't had it in a very long time. And I think the best version of Deshaun Watson we've seen was in his first year where it just seemed like you kind of you can kind of tell Bill O'Brien was not ready for that. Bill O'Brien was not ready for Rick Smith to draft up and go get him. He was not trained up to go draft him. He was not ready. 
Because if he was ready, Tom Savage would have never started week one with that lame ass excuse. Well, he's just a, he's the guy. He's been here. No, no, he's not the guy. He is not the guy. Deshaun Watson is the guy. And when all this was failing that rookie year, Deshaun Watson went out there and played like he was still in Clemson. Haven't seen it in a very long time out of Deshaun. You cannot put handcuffs on star players. You cannot cuff them because you can't expand. That's just my my, my final thoughts on that, Cody. John, some sports guy, Hickman. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans and like us on Facebook. I love when you guys tweet me. Continue to do it tomorrow. Today, actually, today and tomorrow, I will be selling amazing crawfish bread, mac and cheese, and catfish fillets. If you are a Locked On Texan fan in the city of Houston, you want to try it out, just tweet me. I'd love to bring it to you. Once again, I am your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y, D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.